Welcome to Sea Time, everybody, the off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. So this is episode 84. For those of you who have absolutely no idea why you're staring at me, with this sexy older gentleman on my couch with these awesome dirt bike jerseys behind me. Well, it's because you've tuned into Seat Time. So Seat Time, it's an off-road podcast, webcast, however you want to look at it, listen to it. You can find us on YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes. Those are all the fun places you can find us. But if you want to know who I am, I'm Brian Pierce. Technically, I'm the host of all the shenanigans that happen here on Seat Time. This lovely gentleman next to me is Brian Story. So those of you who do not know who Brian Story is, he is the owner of SMS Racing. He's got so many ties in the motorcycle industry, it makes it feel like you should label it as XXX because he knows so many people that it makes it feel awkward. Um, and then, of course, we've got uh, Coach Seiji on tonight as well. As uh, we've talked about, we wanted, we've been getting a lot of questions lately with a lot of nutrition, training, supplements with all the riders that we've talked to to try to really find out what benefits them the most and how they listen to their body and then translate that into a good training program a good nutrition program, and a good race program. And so we got in touch with one of the best guys out there to do that. And now granted, he is obviously much more uh, moto and supercross oriented with a lot of the work that he does and the riders that he works with. But there's no reason that that cannot relate and that we can't take some of the things that he could teach us. And uh, and I, I would imagine he even has a couple tricks up his sleeve on how maybe to orient those a little bit for off-road. So as Steven's going to fix any technical difficulties that come up during the show, Brian and I are going to talk about things that have been going on a little bit before we bring on the coach. So Brian, it's episode 84. We just had Supercross wrap up. It's happened in the past. We have been at your at your shop and done episodes. So since then, and we've had Supercross, East, what's been going on? Lots of Supercross, lots of local racing, lots of racing. I mean, just it's been the busy season. The springtime is when everybody gets out to play um, on the national level and the local level. It's just uh, when the weather's good, there's some moisture in the soil and and uh, moisture. So I've been I've been doing double time between the local races and then uh, back and forth to all the East Coast Supercrosses, uh, working with our race team and uh, had to struggle through a week. At I mean. You know, the past two years, uh, we've been at your shop as we were, as you guys were getting ready for Dallas, as y'all were getting ready for Dallas, and I was getting ready to go hang out and have a couple of adult beverages, watch some badass racing. Um, so, done it two years now with this team. Are you going to do it for a third, or have you have you not figured out how many gray hairs are attributed just to the team? Uh, there's quite a bit of gray hair attributed <laughs> to the team, and and uh, boy, it feels like the wheels fly off in in lots of directions uh, in my life when uh, we're doing the Supercross thing. But uh, uh, it, it's hard. It, it not... can't help too having a 20 year old son. Yeah, uh, I mean, so... I, I can I, I remember what I was like. So I mean, for that to be what it right. is. Right. So so having a, a freshman in college to go along to go with on. that. Uh, but anyway, it, it's hard not to live vicariously through the guys. Uh, it, it's pretty addictive being there at Supercross. It's it's really enjoyable, and and I take a lot of pride in building the motorcycles. Uh, you know, me and the guys at the shop do the motors, and we do the mapping, and we do the suspension. Uh, we handle everything ourselves, and and work with the riders, and and it, it's it's really great stuff. It wears you out, um, you know, trying to do that and life and run the store. Uh, but uh, if if everything falls together, I think we'll be there again next year. Nice. Well, cool. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to it because that at least means that we get another episode at your shop. 
there you go. We'll so, be back to, to kick off <laughs> kick off Dallas Supercross again next year. As always, I think we should find a way to step it up and either do it like Friday night and see if we can get some more national guys to come. I, and, uh, I, I bet more if we, coverage. I bet like if that. we planned ahead, maybe we could so, pull yeah, some more guys in. <laughs> post the day before. Uh, yeah, because clearly those episodes weren't wild ass enough. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think uh, we should definitely get more interesting. I think we had uh, we had uh, a person get run over on an ATC seventy in the parking lot by a golf cart when the last episode. Ended. Yeah, and Josh's truck broke for whatever reason. Right. So yeah, yeah. That those episodes clearly need to be bigger. Yeah, I think he's right. All right. So why is this lovely? Older gentleman, not older. Well, he's older because he's older than me. Why is he on the show right now? Well, because of the fact that Brian Story is a pro in Texas and throughout the world, actually, because he's raced all over the world. But he is super fast. He's super healthy. And he's been super fast and super healthy for a very, very long time. And I think that longevity is, a for whatever reason, is much more prevalent in the off-road world. So I wanted to get... Uh, some of Brian's perspective on some of the things that he's done in training and the way that he's eaten and the way that he's ridden throughout his life uh, to continue with the success that he's had up till now. Um, so, Coach, uh, while, yeah. we, while we have you, and it looks like Steven's got some video working on our end, just give us a little bit of a, a preface on, on how you got into the position you're in now as such a, I, I would say, icon as a, as a, as a dirt bike trainer. Um, well, uh, I went to school for training. I uh, went to University of Texas for uh, kinesiology and exercise physiology. I, I was uh, lucky enough to be a professional athlete across several sports, and uh, one of them was mountain biking. And uh, I was getting older, uh, and I was slowing down on a mountain bike, and it was just like something somebody said. Somebody said, well, if you enjoy riding trails and you don't want to slow down, you should get on a dirt bike. So I went to the dirt bike store and I just kind of noticed a dude behind the counter was limping around the owner of the store. I was like, hey man, I can fix your knee. And he was like, oh yeah, well, if you can fix my knee, I'll give you a dirt bike. So that's how the whole thing got started. <laughs> that's a pretty good deal there. Did you and get the dirt bike? Placement, and I trained the owner for a while and he got to ride his dirt bike again. You know, he's in his mid sixties, you know, wanted to do Baja. And he actually took me to Baja with him almost immediately. Um, so I got to do all that. And uh, I was still training other athletes. I was really heavily into training cyclists and uh, football players and mountain bike racers and triathletes. And uh, the same guy, I don't know how it happened, but I ended up going to a, a U.S. Open of Supercross in October. And I had never seen a Supercross. And I was pretty, you know, I was pretty stoked. It was really sick. And on the way home, I just so happened to sit next to Heath Voss. I didn't know who he was. Right. And... Uh, started asking me he just was super friendly you know texan guy and started asking me questions and i told him what i did and he was asking me all these training questions and i still really didn't know who he was and by the time we landed uh he had pretty much asked me if he could hire me and i wasn't really thinking about it and i, I didn't know how to do it but i just threw it out there because i thought he would say no i said well for me to quit training all the guys that i have now you're going to have to pay me enough money to drop all my other clients. And he took the deal, so I was almost instantaneously a full-time motocross trainer. <laughs> so did you actually drop all your other clients? Yeah, it took me two weeks. Um, everybody I trained I had at that point for almost 12 years. So um, it was a big decision, but they knew that I didn't like to be inside. And when you train other athletes, you're mostly inside of a gym, which right. I hate. And to be able to do motocross, I mean, what are you doing? You know, you're at a track or you ride a bicycle, you go swimming. Um, you know, even lifting weights kind of inside bothered me, which is why CrossFit was 
cool with me because you almost do it outside. There's no air conditioning. You know, that's part of the deal. So uh, it all worked out, and I think this is my ninth or tenth year, and I just been really fortunate to uh, line up with the right people and always train good athletes, and it's it's been really cool. Like I, I can't complain at all. Yeah, no, it sounds pretty awesome. When we talk about Heath Voss, Brian, that's like back in your day, isn't it? Oh, yeah. that's that's uh, that's still more recent than my day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could say uh, Brian. Brian has put what was it you said that you've you've ra- you race guys now that weren't born when you raced your first pro race. I, I still race locally in the pro class, and and uh, I do motocross and off road. I raced a motocross this weekend, and and even during the Supercross season, I race whenever I get the chance. Uh, when we went to Daytona. I raced the uh, the Ricky Carmichael uh, Amateur oh, National the next nice. the, the the two days after in the plus thirty five A and plus thirty A classes and uh, ended up having to leave to go to the airport before one of my mains but still I got every <laughs> moto in that I could uh, and he he says that by saying that he's like no nah, it's like it's not that everything hurt it's that I had to get to the airport. I had to get, well, yeah, <laughs> and literally I had to run through the airport still to make it on my plane, and and uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is my twenty third year that I've raced in uh, a pro or a class, and and one form of or another, um, everything, uh, you know, from riding international six days for Team USA to uh, I did two uh, uh, supercrosses back in the early nineties, and and uh, raced a lot of arena cross back then, and and just done a little bit of everything, and I still. Still race every chance I get. Like I said, even even this yeah, this past, uh, this past Sunday, uh, I went and found a local motocross for me and my son to race at. Uh, it was his birthday Sunday, so we found somewhere to go play. Man, that's pretty awesome. Well, uh, uh, Seiji, do you still do you still uh, as a trainer? I'd imagine you kind of throw your leg over a dirt bike every now and again. But do you yeah, ever? Get... I love, dude, I love to ride. Okay, um, you still get out then and actually get to play around and stuff. Yeah, dude. There's a national caliber track right outside my front door. Um, there's a woods trail right on my other pasture, and there's a supercross track about 20 yards away. So I have it all at my house. So what you're saying is that we're coming to your house for the next Sea Time episode? Yeah, like it, it's kind of <laughs> weird. Like I don't advertise, you know, I don't like to advertise just because I don't know. It's it, I built all this for my clients. Oh um, yeah, no, I'm I'm kidding. Um, but at the same time. No, no, like I have industry people over. Um, it's super fun, and it's weird because I, I train only supercross and motocross riders. It's not by choice. It's just, you know, you guys know the industry. It's really right. hard to make money in GNCC. I yeah. mean, it's just not televisable, I think, is why the money's not there. But I prefer to ride woods. Like, I used to ride a lot of motocross, and, uh, you know, an amateur motocross race, you're there all day. Maybe your moto's 10 minutes, then you sit down for an hour and maybe get to ride eight minutes. Or if you go to a woods race, you know, you're riding an hour, and then you get to ride an hour again. So I like woods riding way better because I come from a mountain bike background. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I would much rather ride for an hour than ride for sprint for eight minutes. Interesting. Yeah, this actually, this year, and I have really good access to getting bikes. Like, it's fairly easy for me to get bikes, and this year... I'm kind of forcing myself because I built a race bike and it's only good for woods. And I got rid of my motocross bike, so now I don't have a choice. So now if I want to go race, I have to go do a woods race because I don't have a motocross bike right now. So well, it sounds uh, like we need to get you hooked up. Yeah. We need to find an off-road race we're, for you. We're at yeah, all the TC Star man. races, TSEC stuff. We've got Torx, man. Texas yeah, is full of stuff. down here. All the Torx, like three of the Torx race courses are within 30 minutes of where I live right now. What sucks is 
I work motocross, supercross, and I have to go to every race. Yeah, that's so true. So I'm never home on the weekend. It, like, I would say that's the biggest negative of my job is I'm required to go to the races with my clients, so I never get to race myself. Yeah, well, we got a circuit for you up here around the Dallas area called Toro Ooh, that yeah, races uh, October, November, December. Smartest and, man uh, older that, than me. that would be probably your your only time off. So we might have to drag well, you up here. I show up. I have to be in California October first. Oh man! For like for for <laughs> how how long? The whole winter uh, until February first. Oh my gosh! Until yeah. everything heads back to the East Coast, huh? Yeah, like the Supercross testing part of the year, you know. We oh, and that's are... because of the fact that most of those guys train and live in California at that time. So then at that point, all your clients are out there. I mean, is that kind of Yeah, I got to say hats off to you, man. Like, you're doing a privateer effort. Um, you know, I don't know where you're based. I assume Texas. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, up in, we're actually Texas. up in McKinney, uh, and then his shop's over in Denton. Yeah, dude, like, you're doing it the hard way, for sure, um, you know. If you took the top, say, 10% of the racers, you know, they're all in, like, one zip code in Southern California in the winter. And so you're developing a new motorcycle. All the factories are there. All the motor shops are there. All the suspension shops are there. You go to the track in the winter. Suspension guys at the track. Motor guys at the track. So it makes it so much easier um, to develop a motorcycle. And it's to gauge your speed, you got to ride with the guys that you're riding with. Right. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we face that challenge. That's uh that's a tough one for us. And, and there's only a couple of good supercross tracks uh, up here in North Texas that we can go test at as well. And, and hey, well, uh, the, you need to call me cause I got one right there. Well, Hey, maybe, <laughs> maybe this next winter, maybe we'll find time to come visit. Koseji is going to sponsor the SMS team. <laughs> it's all orange clay too. It's a really sweet red, orange clay. Yeah. Be careful what you offer here. Yeah. <laughs> we will show up at your doorstep. It'll be yeah. unfortunate for you and your family. But, yeah. So I, it's it's interesting what you're saying of the fact that you're over in California from October to February. And, and we hear a lot. I, I listen to a ton of like Pulp MX, uh, the yeah. motocross show, you know, uh, uh, and, and the DM, DMXS show. And that's all they talk about is how, how some of these guys get to a point that they can live in Florida because of the fact that, you know, I mean, the teams, all these, the, all the, 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 the huge manufacturers, all that kinds of stuff, they live and breathe in California. So it's it's interesting, and they always talk about how it's yeah. interesting those guys can make it happen. And I guess they just get to a point where they're like, "Well, this is where I live. This is where I train. This is where I do what I do." Um, it just makes everything you have to do like. I guess it makes everything you have to do with developing a bike easier, but it's also where all you know a lot high percentage of the fast people live. So you're always riding with faster people. Right. Reason I think that people like Andrew go to Texas or Chad Reed and you know Weimer and all those guys go to Florida is California has no humidity. Right. It might be a hundred, but it doesn't feel like the East Coast outdoor races where you know it's a hundred and like eighty percent humidity. So <laughs> it's uh, breathing, I think a big breathing in a condensed paper bag. Yeah, they have to have the humidity and the heat combined, and you know it's also a financial reason. You know California has heinous income tax. Florida and Texas have no state income tax, you know, Boom. So, and, the, and the property's cheap. So you can actually afford to buy your own place and have your own track like I did here where there's no way you could do it in California. Plus, there's too many rules, you know. So uh, it's it's always kind of boggled my mind. I mean, I understand the fast people living there and the development of the bike, but it's boggled my mind why the industry persists to, you know, 90% of it be right there in Southern California for the whole year. 
Like, it, it kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't make sense. It would make a lot more sense in Texas or Florida because of the, the humidity and because of the the uh, no income tax and and you do see all the guys once the the west coast switches to the east they do move to texas and florida for the rest of the year pr- pretty much so uh, that's very that's like a handful of people yeah you know? well, like if you're not making some serious money you're pretty much stuck in california yeah so uh, there, there's quite a few though that make it and and uh i i made it out this year to a couple of the training facilities there in in georgia and florida uh, yeah. But still, there were only a handful. I mean, just a few of the top riders were there because most of them still yeah. are in California. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. interesting. Um, so one of the we were talking about having uh, Coach Sagey on is because of the fact that he has such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to training riders, um, helping them figure out nutrition, um, supplements, what they're going to take to what it, a supplement is to supplement some of the you know calories that you're intaking and some of the food that you eat as nutrition, and then the, all the training that goes along with that. Um, and so uh, I think that's kind of where we're going to segue everything just so we don't get too off track. Because uh, hold we don't... on, guys. You're cutting out. I'm trying to get it back. Uh, no worries. So we don't want it to, to, to seem like we want to talk too much moto and supercross. Um, but, of course, we do have to say thank you very much to Fly Racing as we kind of uh, – they have been a fantastic sponsor of Seat Time. They have been there since the very beginning. Uh, Fly Racing has been making huge efforts to push um, in the off-road market lately. I don't know if you've looked around at some of the series that uh, – that are sponsored in the off-road world, but they're pretty much all sponsored by Fly Racing, and they have tons of riders out there that are riding in Fly Racing gear. Um, and it's not—it's not just because of the fact that they make high-quality gear. Uh, nowadays, you know, people can find a way to cut corners and, and and be like, "Oh, well, no, we make high-quality gear, and we save this much, we make this much on overhead, all that kinds of stuff." But I don't think it's just about making good gear. I think it's about making good connections and being part of a family. Um, and, and in off-road, because we are so small but want to feel so big it really is about having you know the right people in your in your corner and i think I, i'm fantastically happy with the fact that fly racing dale spangler and a lot of the other people there at wps have been so supportive of sea time um so uh, we'd be you know just as floored if you went and checked them out flyracing.com is where you can go find out more information of course uh, it's may so it's gonna be summer uh it's it's Almost summer in Texas, so you get yourself some good Vinny gear for sure. The new Kinetic Mesh is fantastic. We get to see Andrew Short's been riding the crap out of it on the BTO sports team. Um, it's it's awesome stuff, so we really appreciate it. Go check them out, flyracing.com. Thanks for your support, guys. Okay, so it, it's, it's, it's such a, I think personally, it's very, very hard to say this is nutrition, this is supplements, and this is training. There, and it, there's so much more to talk about than just those three things. Uh, if, if, but I think there, there are three broad words that r- work really well when a lot of racers are like, or a lot of riders are just kind of like wanting to make adjustments and feel better and feel more fit um, when on the bike. So by no means, Coach, am I trying to say that we should dive into every little subject, but I think that there's yeah. a lot of people out there that have some minute questions to kind of work on some of the tidbit stuff. And then as well, um, beyond that, we can kind of, uh, I think, think more broad. Uh, I, I feel that I've got a, a fair bit of knowledge just from the CrossFit background. I've been riding for so long. I think that Brian's got that too. So if there was a number one a number one thing that you've told one rider or multiple riders over and over and over again that nobody seems to catch on to or doesn't actually listen about when it comes to you know any of those three things, what do you think that that would be? Uh, I would say for me the number one thing that I – 
tend to have to repeat with new clients is that fat's not the enemy, sugar's the enemy. Okay. Uh, people, especially my age or maybe even older, I'm 44, so I was taught the same way. I was taught not to eat fat. Um, even up through college, I was told it was bad. Um, so number one would be fat's not the enemy. Fat's actually fuel. Sugar's the enemy. Number two would be a supplement is just that. It's a supplement to a well-balanced and wholesome diet. It's not going to fix a bad diet. I mean, you know what I mean? So uh, a supplement will help you if the rest of your diet is sound. That would be number two. And number three is there's nothing wrong with drinking water. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand, you know, if the, the the point of intaking a fluid is to keep your plasma volume up. But for some reason, especially young riders, it's like, you go to Loretta's, they don't want to drink water. They always have to drink, you know, some kind of sports drinks, uh, which, you know, almost always have extra sugar in them. So yeah, uh, those are the three things that I find myself repeating. Uh, that, that's just my opinion. I'm not saying one diet plan or supplementation plan works for everybody. By no means do I say that. Um, but I would say in the last five years since – uh, I've been really paying attention to my athlete's diet that, uh, in general, for most of the people that I work with, if, uh, if they would switch from, you know, high carb, high glycemic index to more fat and, you know, good fat intake, a little bit higher protein, uh, stay on water, you know, you don't have to drink all these sugary things all the time and kind of almost eliminate or at least reduce your uh, dependency on supplements to uh, intake most of your calories, those really help. Uh, right, I right. do. Yeah, it's amazing. You get these athletes and it's like 40% of their calories comes from supplements. You know, if you're a bodybuilder, I might get that, but I don't get it as a, as a motorsport. Person. So, so, so you're saying if, if all you eat is donuts and tacos, uh, a supplement's not going to uh, fix everything. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's really strange. Like I always make it. I wonder why out. you asked that, Brian. <laughs> yeah, like think about you guys. Like Brian, you know, you you race. I assume you know high performance motorcycles. Um, I am. You know, hopefully you're not dumping just crappy fuel in it. Like it's weird that I'll go to Loretta's especially, and I'll see these families buy five gallon jugs of fuel that's like twenty five dollars a gallon. You know, and they're not going to put pump gas in their race bike. No way. But then they'll hand their kid pop tarts. That's what I don't get. Gosh, you know? that, it's it's funny that I don't think I don't think that enough people think about our bodies as engines. That we yeah. are we are a machine. Uh, yeah. We are a very well very well developed machine. Um, yeah. Every part of our body has been evolved to work the way that it works. Um, yeah. And since we've been developed in the sense of evolving, you know, food has evolved as well. But it the manufacturing of food and the way that people think that they need to sell food and market food and all that kinds of stuff, that evolution has completely jacked up our train of thought on how we should, as you put it, fuel those bodies and these machines that yeah. we have. Um, yeah. and I, I completely you're getting, you're agree. Getting into, you're getting into things that, you know, like I, I used to kind of struggle with this as a trainer and I'm not saying I'm a superstar, but you know, I get put on websites and if I voice my opinion, about the food industry or the Department of Agriculture or any of that stuff, dude, I'll get like more than half hate mail. You know? <laughs> um, so I People only hate it because it's the truth. Yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating to me. Um, you know, I've had clients fight me at the beginning. Like, uh, you know, Andrew is one of those people. And, uh, you know, he switched over and he loves it, you know, and he's teaching it to his family now. Yeah. Okay, and, well, uh, that's a good point. You say switched over. 
Like right there, I think I think people out there are going to be like, "What does that mean?" They want to know what does switched over mean. So say Andrew Short was eating badly because he was eating this, and now he's eating well because he's eating this. Just so that way people have a better, you know. Uh, uh, okay, in the most general terms. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in the most general terms, especially in sports nutrition. Um, so I went to college beginning in the '80s. You know. Higher, higher uh, institution of education, and I was taught exactly what the Department of Agriculture told us. You know, and it was like 12, it was, sounds ridiculous to me now, but the food pyramid was something like 12 servings of grains <laughs> or, or breads, you know, and that was the bottom. And then at the top, it was like one or two servings of meat or protein. So it was like this crazy, really high carbohydrate, really, you know, I would say mid-level protein and really low fat, you know, so... The kind of logic was, well, if you don't want to be fat, then don't eat fat. That right. was kind of the predominant logic. And if you want to be super lean, ripped guy doing, you know, endurance sports, carbohydrates your main source of fuel. Carbohydrate doesn't have fat in it, so it's really, really, you know, heavy in carbohydrates. So uh, very generally, it was high carbohydrate, low fat. Um, the switch, as I call it, if you just want to talk about macronutrients, is high fat. Well, carbohydrate you're just flipping that uh nutritional period upside down you know okay and you know i you guys are a wide open show so i'll go ahead and just kind of think what or say what i've been thinking for a while absolutely um, you know who made the food pyramid the department of agriculture made the food pyramid of course they're going to have agriculture be the base of the pyramid you know <laughs> you are a smart gentleman I was the yeah I, of course i want you know and then they were bashing the dairy people and the dairy people wanted to make their own pyramid anyways it's just it's politics and you know it's public policy but uh the switch to me means uh like i stated before you stop viewing fat is the reason you're getting fat and you start viewing fat as fuel and you start viewing high glycemic or you know quickly uh, body sugar changing sugars as the enemy. Um, fats. If you ask somebody why they're training, you know, even like a guy off the street, you know, a normal guy is going to say, "Well, I want to, I want to burn fat." Okay, so my dumb logic is, well, if you want to burn fat, you got to eat fat, so you get good at burning fat. How are you going to get good at burning fat if you don't eat fat? That's like the simple logic for me. Um, and if you're constantly dumping carbohydrates in, what are you going to get good at? Burning, Burning carbohydrates, carbohydrates, right. You know, and carbohydrates, you can only store so much fuel, you know. Fats, even the skinniest guy in the world could run around the equator on fat, you know. But you can't the, – the bonk that everybody talks about is when you run out of carbohydrate. You're not going to run out of fat, you know. So uh, it's a big switch, and you know if you know if I were to drink a couple more glasses of wine, I would sound almost like a conspiracy theory guy. About, <laughs> you know, we should have had you prep for the show like we prep for the show. But then. the the way I was taught when I was a young racer growing up was exactly what you said. Uh, yeah. it, the the that carbohydrates was where it was at, and and that's yeah. the way it was beaten into all of us for for so yeah. long, and uh, and it it's just. It's just amazing that they were that far off, and uh, I can see what you're saying, how it might have been motivated by other sources. Yeah. It's uh, you know, like all I can think about when I think back to my dad and I going to races and stuff is just like, all right, how much pasta can we throw into a bowl and eat? 
you know, bef- the night before a race uh, to try to figure out because of the fact that we need to carb up. And I guess, you know, kind of like what you're saying is that, you know, we don't, that may not, that probably isn't the right answer is that well, we need to. We and need so, to so many people are still there. So many people are, are you know, tr- seeing how much pasta they can eat the night before the race. And they think that's going to determine how well they make it through. And, and most of them aren't hydrated well enough just to, to in process. And, yeah. The, most of them are going to have their, their, their bonker. They're going to fall apart because they weren't hydrated enough or they were full of sugar. Um, and, and they're worried about stuffing as much pasta in them as they can. Right. And a lot of times when we break down that pasta, it turns into, it turns into sugar, doesn't it? Oh, I'm not, don't get yeah. me going. Here. I ain't no scientist. I'm no, yeah. I'm no I ain't scientist. No scientist. <laughs> Stephen's getting us connected back over here. So I think it's really interesting, though, because of the fact that what he's talking about is is the fact that we probably need to focus more on fats and, and proteins and things like that. So a lot of that is, is going to come from you know eating meats, like the red meats and uh, other type of meats yeah. that are going to be high in protein. And he's chicken, talking chicken about super high in protein. And he, and he talked a lot about how sugar is the enemy, and, and sugar really is the enemy. I, I know just from getting to know my body, when you've run as many races as I have over as long a period of time as I have, uh, you know, I've experimented with all kinds of different hydrations. Um, you know, from your Gatorades and Powerades and, and, uh, and some of your mixed drinks that come from your supplement suppliers. And, and uh, you know, I, I generally, when I'm at a race, I will drink three bottles of water for every one bottle of a sports drink or mixed uh, rehydrate type, um, you know, supplement drink. And uh, I've found that I perform better if I've got three times as much water as I do any kind of sports drink in me. I'll get less arm pump. You know, think about what we were just saying, you know, like, uh, sports drinks only have a carbohydrate in them. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, higher intensities of output. Yes. You're going to burn a fraction of, you know, your, your fraction of fuel that comes from carbohydrate goes up as your intensity goes up. Um, but it's like the same thing, like we were saying, you know, sports drinks only have sugar in them, carbohydrate, you know, if, if you want to get better at burning sugar, then keep dumping in the sugar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. That's uh, okay. So if people were to go, all right, I have been chugging a lugging on all this pasta every Saturday night before a big race on Sunday. That is that is not the idea behind it because you don't want that many carbohydrates. You want more fat. Um, what well, is? Oh no! In the short term. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. Is people want to know uh, in that question because I immediately go, okay, so. And I haven't been eating a lot of pasta because I'm gluten free now because of our son. Um, yeah. But um, you know, so so how do how do racers, how do people out there that are the C class heroes make that that mental adjustment and then that physical adjustment in in their actual diet? Yeah, I don't want to say carbohydrates are bad. I mean, right. you need carbohydrates for you know the higher intensity output. It's just your source. So uh, now you got to explain glycemic index. So. Um, pasta, bread, you know, those are very high glycemic index, which means they raise your blood sugar really fast, which makes your body dump insulin to bring the sugar down. Okay. Um, that's the reaction you want to avoid. Anytime your blood sugar has sharp rises and falls, which is what happens when you eat a high glycemic food, uh, it's a big stressor to your body, uh, sets up a lower blood sugar actually, cause your body isn't that quick and, uh, it dumps the insulin and your blood, blood sugar ends up being lower than when you started. Uh, carbohydrates not bad it's just you want to get low glycemic carbs which are basically vegetables ah okay um they absorb slower in your gut they raise your blood sugar a lot slower um they don't cause an insulin spike um 
so you know I gotta go backwards a little bit uh, back in the day they would preach this thing called carbo loading which uh, if you did it hardcore you would you know if your race was Saturday let's say you could eat really heavy protein Wednesday and Thursday and you would do these crazy rides to deplete all your you know muscle sugar stores glycogen stores and then like you were saying Friday you just you know chow down on some bread and pasta and just suck up all these carbohydrates into your muscles um, that actually did work it was a really harsh way of doing it it was very stressful to your body to do it that way um, the new way of thinking at least for me is that you become very efficient at burning fat so, you know, on rare occasions and emergencies and really high intensity effort, yeah, you do touch those carbohydrate stores, but since you're not depleting them ever because most of the volume of your work uh, works on the fat metabolism, then there isn't this crazy need to reduce them so bad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Um, none of my guys at the pro level uh, have any need to carbo load. Um, they don't change their diet. You know their their meal plan is the same on Tuesday as it is on Friday, and they don't have a carbohydrate bonking problem um, because they are efficient at burning fat. Okay, um, you know it's it's interesting that you say it the way that you did that your guys don't eat different from a Tuesday to a Friday. You know, and I think that that's a big one of the bigger questions we had from uh, Tiffany was you know what's the best thing to eat before a race, and you know specifically she called out the day of and the day before, and how long should you eat it. Or how long before should you eat it? And, and, and you know, it, it's kind of my assumption of what you're saying on that is that that shouldn't be the case as long as you're, you know, kind of following what you're preaching on the fact of like treating your body to 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 to, to eat fat well, so that way it doesn't kill all the carbohydrates until you need them. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and I realize that. You know, 90% of the time I'm around elite athletes whose job it is to train. Like, they don't have another job. Right. Um, for the average guy, you know, what I would consider a listener for your show, um, you know, they have jobs. And the only change that I would personally make is, you know, you want to try to match your energy intake to your energy output. Um, so definitely on, you know, I would say most people cram you know, some crazy amount of, of work on the weekends and a moderate amount of work on the weekdays. Well, you want your total caloric intake to match that. Right. Um, so, of course, you're going to eat heavier on the days that you are training. But again, you know, going back to physiology, you know, all of us have enough fat storage to last quite a while, you know, in a temporary uh, caloric negative day. If you follow the diet, you know, to the T that my guys do, you know, this sounds crazy as a trainer to even come out of my mouth because I was trained the opposite. You know, if, if Andrew short, because of a bike issue, taking up two hours in the middle of his day and, you know, pushing his training time back, if he doesn't eat from breakfast until dinner one day, it doesn't affect his performance at all because, he's so used to being in the fat metabolism state that there's plenty there. You know, if he were to balk on carbohydrate because he jacked up, say, two days of not eating a, a low glycemic carbs, yeah, he would feel it. But um, it's not a energy bonking. It's not like, you know what I'm saying? Your body's uh, a lot more resilient than that if you train it the way to be resilient. Um, 
I don't train as much as my guys. You know, I would love to, but I don't. So sometimes on Fridays, especially when my workload is lower, I'll actually uh, not eat on purpose from Thursday night till Friday night. Whoa. Just and still do my training, still go ride my bike, still lift weights. I'm um, just as kind of an experiment for me to know that, you know, I'm okay. I'm still riding just as fast with my clients as I was the day that I was eating. And, it, you know, there are studies that say that it actually increases your sens- insulin sensitivity to do that occasionally. So, and, um, so, so Coach, I, I've always uh, worked, uh, taught, and, and uh, helped the people around me, and, and I did this from learning with my own body. I feel like it's much more important, you know, leading up to a race – uh, to be worried about making sure you're properly hydrated than it is yeah. about you know cramming enough food in you to make it through the race. I feel like I see way yeah. more people, and I feel myself yeah. more affected from high, not enough hydration than than from not enough fuel put in my body from yeah. not cramming you're, enough. Yeah, you're right on the money for most people. For most people, I would say that's a bigger issue for sure. Um, it's crazy. Like if you ask an average person how much water they drink in the day, you know, I'm gonna say that. You know, let's say seven out of ten people that we run into every day are chronically dehydrated. Yeah. Like, there's no way they drink enough water. And it just, like, it's super shocking to me to talk to a 16-year-old athletic person and say, hey, it's 4 o'clock. How, many, how much water have you had during school all the way until now? And, dude, they don't even remember because it it's not enough, you know? Yeah, typically it's like most people have at least have only 12 to 24 ounces of water. But then the problem with that is they had one to two energy drinks, maybe a cup of coffee, you know, and then all kinds of crazy crap that needed to be, you know, uh, that needed to be digested. And then so through that, they're using up a lot of their uh, their water supply. Uh, And then so I I, I think one of the bigger things for me was when somebody was just like and it's not exact science, but it's like if you have one Coke or one soda. And, or one cup of coffee, you need to have two cups of water to kind of equal that out. I think that's exactly kind of to what you were saying, where if you have one, uh, you know, one kind of sports drink or one kind of hydration type drink, you say you have three, you know, I'll have three bottles that. of so, water for every bottle of Powerade or Gatorade or you know, or mixed thing. type yeah. drink. I'll, and I I'll think have... that that's the right way to do it because not only are you putting in all that sugar, but you need to digest all that stuff. And when you digest, your body gets warmer and it's got to do all that stuff and it's going to burn more water to do it. Now, obviously, we're speaking from the non-scientific aspect of it. And Coach can kind of just throw out all the, the words that mean something to you. And honestly, I feel like uh, it, being someone who still races motocross and off-road, so everything from, I think our motos this weekend at the local track were only about eight minutes long to, to do in two-hour uh, cross-country races. Um, I, I feel like my body actually performs better it, at its best when I'm really well hydrated, but I don't have a lot in my stomach. Uh, uh, I actually eat pretty light on race days. Uh, I try to eat just just really light, easy to eat stuff that uh, that's easy on my stomach and and easy for my body to absorb. And and I don't I don't feel full when I go, get ready to go racing by any means. I don't eat a lot on race days. Okay, yeah, coach. How does that? Yeah. How does that translate to what you, you know, to what you teach your guys and 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 how they kind of prepare for race day. Yeah, like that's what I was saying, you know, and you guys hit it right on the money. You know, if your diet and your training, you know, it's the training too. Like we definitely, especially in the winter, we do a lot of training that's specifically to enhance fat metabolism. Um, So if your diet and training are geared toward using fat 
you know, as, as much as you can into high uh, intensity ranges you can and only using carbohydrates at the highest ranges, um, what you're saying is true. There's actually not a need to have to eat this crazy amount of carbohydrate to replace what you're burning on the spot because you're not actually burning that much. Um, and, you know, I, I can't get into it because it's a long story, but I ate the exact opposite for the entirety of my cycling career. And people knew me, like people knew that, oh, you better bring some food because Sage is coming because every three hours he's going <laughs> to get shaky and get all bitchy because he hadn't eaten. And that's like, and I'm not even training, I'm just walking around. So if you're high carb, you know, and training to be a carbohydrate burner, you're going to burn carbohydrate sitting at your computer. Like it's just, that's what you're doing. And so if you think about a typical race day for somebody, especially motocross people, you know, high intensity effort, go race, 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 sit down, wait. You know, um, if you kind of compute the amount of minutes that you're working out or racing in a day versus the amount of minutes in the day that you're awake, well, if you could just burn predominantly fat in all the minutes that you aren't racing or working out, the amount of food you actually need to power your actual exercise outside of fat is super low. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's like super low. So, uh, you know, it's a big change for me. I'm not saying that I thought this my entire career. I actually, you know, I put my foot in my mouth when CrossFit and, and you know, I would say I, I call it kind of backwards technology, diet and training came around. Dude, I was the first guy on the Internet calling BS on everything because I came from college and thought I knew all this stuff and I paid a lot of money to get educated and they told me the opposite. Um, I got to be in my late thirties and I started gaining weight even though I was like training all day. So this is like, this is actually queued up from personal experience. And one day, dude, I got sick of researching diet. Like I got sick of it cause I could find very well documented, funded, you know, supposedly double blind studies, you know, pushing every kind of diet on the planet. So I kind of went off the deep end and you know I just went the exact opposite of the way I was eating it was ridiculous dude I would wake up and eat six pieces of bacon three eggs all the stuff they told me not to eat and the more fat I ate the smaller I got and like it's it's on my blog people have read my blog my little story about you know I just got sick of reading studies and it is opposite of what most people think and it does take a leap of faith to do it um but, you know, I don't, what, for whatever it's worth, uh, I was educated, you know, 10 years in college on this stuff. Um, I practiced the opposite diet for, I would say, 17 of my 25 years of training. And I didn't learn this in school. I just experimented on myself. Then I started reading books on it. Then I started looking up the research. Uh, then I applied it to my clients. And it, it, it's worked for me. So uh, I think it is opposite. It's like. You know, I think anybody our age or I don't know what the age would be, maybe 25 or older is going to call it BS, you know. Um, I, I uh, wonder, too, like how many people out there go. Okay, and because of my involvement in CrossFit in the past three years, um, you know, I, I've, I've heard I don't I don't myself uh, strict myself to paleo just for, yeah. you know, but there's there are people that do. They live by it. And especially with paleo zone. You know, they're yep. specifically putting nutrients, the, the the only nutrients their body needs to perform. Um, and that's kind yep. of the idea behind it. Um, but you're, you're talking, I think, and, and part of that is is a lot of people 
there, you know, you see guys just totally, that's all they eat for breakfast is bacon and eggs, bacon and eggs. But what yeah. a lot of people that don't realize is that they're, they understand that what you're saying, they're the fat, they're burning fat. So a yeah. lot of people be like, oh, I don't need to eat all this other stuff. I just need to eat bacon and eggs. Well, the problem is you still need to burn the fat. So there's yeah. the training part that comes along with that. So you, you've now kind of tur- turned turned the tables a little bit on what people are thinking about on e- eating. So with with the training aspect of it, you know, I think we could touch on the CrossFit because of the fact that we've had a lot of questions about it. We've a lot of questions um, on they've seen a, we I you know I've been doing it. I know a lot of friends have been doing it. Um, off road racers, especially in the professional level now, making tons of posts about being CrossFit, CrossFit, CrossFit. Um, now I've drinking the CrossFit Kool-Aid. I think it's one of the coolest things out there. I dig it. I love it. Um, but you're a coach, you own a yep. CrossFit box. You prescribe this. I'm, I'm, I'm using this in quotes. These are not his words, but in my words, you kind of like prescribe certain CrossFit style workouts to your athletes. So, you know, give us the bug. What's up? How did it, how did it work its way into your, into your life and into your athletes training? Uh, it actually came from the diet, so paleo diet or primal diet or however you want to call it. Um, basically, I call it caveman diet, which yeah. is oh yeah. And he so, doesn't just mean pterodactyl legs because that's way too expensive to purchase and eat. Yeah, like dude, if you think about it, the easiest way to tell somebody any of this, you know, without getting into schooling or education, is you're acting like a caveman, right? So if if it comes down to diet, you walk around your grocery store and you picture if I can't kill it or pick it, then I'm not going to eat it. Right. So, you know, that's kind of the simplified version. And then see my friend training. scratch is always like when he goes to a buffet, he's hunting and gathering. Yeah. It's a hunter and gatherer. <laughs> so yeah. he's like, why can't I eat a buffet? I'm hunting and gathering it from the same buffet line. I was like, that's not the way it works, buddy. Yeah. But he tries. <laughs> it's like interesting. Cause then I just took that mentality. And, and again, I didn't do it for my professional athletes at first. I just did it for myself. Um, caveman what did he do so he got up he walked around he just walked around he either was picking and gathering or he was looking for something to kill and then when it came time to kill he had to sprint his balls off to kill it then he had to pick the thing up and haul it back so that's that a in lot a of nutshell work. is a lot of low intensity cardio long low intensity cardio with you know short bursts of high intensity work output you know followed by lifting very heavy and moving that heavy object a long ways. And so it just, I experimented on myself. Uh, I came from a cardio only background. I was like, had toothpick arms and, you know, all I could do is ride my bike. I could ride my bike really well. And, you know, I've always kind of looked at myself as a good athlete, but in my mind, after looking at it that way, yeah, I might've been a great cyclist, but if the earth caved in and the crust of the earth split open and, the apocalypse was coming. I'd be the first person to die. So that's <laughs> but you could the ride a bicycle I, away from anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I kind of look at it. And motocross actually plays very well into it. Um, you know, I, I, because so if you think about motocross, um, I'm taking a person at a high level in the sport, and I'm trying to train them to be one percent better than they were last year, doing only one thing, which is riding a dirt bike. So the CrossFit thing doesn't work well for them in most parts of the year where we're specifically trying to get better at riding a dirt bike fast. So it doesn't work well for those times. What it works well for is in the off-season when we're broadly trying to increase our work capacity or our fitness. And in, in my mind, CrossFit makes you super durable. You know what I mean? Just yeah. 
if you're familiar with CrossFit, you know, there's two outcomes. I mean, either you become crazy durable or you break and you leave. I mean, that's the truth of it, right? Yep, absolutely. And if you break, it's not because the methodology of CrossFit is at fault. You break because you broke your form or you didn't use common sense or whatever. It's not, I don't think the CrossFit methodology has a fault. I think if somebody gets hurt, it's because they aren't using form or their coach didn't explain it to them right or they just refuse. You know, they're chasing a number instead of chasing good form. So uh, the biggest thing, this is why I got into CrossFit. So, you know, again, I was the first guy on the Internet blowing it up, saying it was stupid. I actually went to a box in Costa Rica not understanding where I was. I saw a lady, you know, probably in her mid-50s jump on a box, and I had a client with me, and I said, that's the stupidest shit i ever seen. <laughs> and then I – I had a client, he was only 19 at the time, he's a professional lights class rider, and he said it. He goes, I couldn't jump on that box. And I thought about it, I was like, huh, well, and I made an excuse for him. I said, well, you got torn, you've had a torn ACL and a broken femur. Of course you couldn't jump on that box. Well, I said it really loud, and this trainer came by, and he said, oh, that lady's had a hip replacement and a broken femur. And an <laughs> Yeah, oh, what's wrong shit. with your guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your guy's just 19, bitch. Yeah. So it was like a real eye-opener for me. I was like, wow, you know. And so I experimented on myself, and I – and dude, this is a one of those stories that it's, – it's a weird story. So I – the person who was in charge of CrossFit Costa Mesa was a guy named Chris Warden, who just so happened to have a part-time job as a motocross journalist. So he heard that I had been in there, heard that I had been bashing CrossFit, came out to the Suzuki track one day and basically said, hey, you know, I know some guys high up in CrossFit. Would you be willing to go through their training if it was for free? Um, the only reason being the, the guy who started CrossFit, Greg Glassman, yep. would like somebody intelligent to argue with. Ah. <laughs> you know, and I was like, sure. So Love sure to argue. Enough, yeah, they paid for my certifications and, dude, I was the guy in there with a closed mind, ready to just hammer on the instructors, like so ready to bash it. And uh, within the first 10 minutes, I was like, shit, I was wrong. You know, like he definitely explained to me in physics and science and I bit it. Like I was like, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. So um, they don't do, I don't think CrossFit does a very good job of explaining this to people, but a typical kind of view of fitness, I think, for a general person would be, oh, yeah, what is fitness? Fitness is, I don't know, I can do this heart rate for an hour, you know, or whatever. I have this cardio, I'm cardiovascularly fit, and blah, blah, blah. Well, the CrossFit, and you guys know this, their definition of fitness is entirely different, and their definition uh, definition of fitness is how much work can you do, work capacity. Right. You know? Broken down into English is – you know, you move a heavy load over a long distance quickly, you know, that everything you can say, that's, that's what fitness is. Um, and so what got, what got it for me and what made me want to open a facility myself is the average guy, your listener, dude, he ain't got 12 hours a week to work out. It's just not possible. You know, he's probably, or she's probably lucky to get two to three hours a week to work out. And I, I have no problem saying this. You know, I'll back it up with math formulas and physics if you want. Um, but for the person who has a very limited time schedule, 
there isn't a mode of training off the bike that is more efficient than CrossFit. And again, you have to do it correctly to avoid injury, but if you stick with CrossFit and learn the form and, and understand why you're doing exercises, which is all about work capacity, dude, there's not a better time, there's not a better return on your time at, right. at all. You yeah, I, I I fully agree. As I've said, I've, I'm three years in. I loved it. Started at CrossFit Strong in Dallas. Um, they're a huge box. They do a lot of certifications, a ton of other stuff. I'm gonna be I'm signed up for one of their mobility uh, certifications nice. coming up. Yep. I love Kelly Starrett. Uh, yep. I think anybody out there, yeah, anybody out there who is like, how do I recover just a little bit better? How do I get rid of some of these aches and some of these pains? Um, MobilityWad.com. Go check go check that out. That is you're gonna. He, he's he's abrasive. He's but I think it's because of the fact that nowadays people aren't told things anymore. You everybody feels like you kind of need to baby people to get them to understand things, and that's not the way that he works. He is like, this is what's wrong. This is how you fix it. Get out there and do the work. Um, yeah, I I went to a seminar. I think at that CrossFit Strong in Dallas, I went a little over a year ago. And again, you know, I was like, oh yeah, well I worked at the Olympic Training Center. You know, I worked at a physical therapy. St- I'd done physical therapy for Olympians, so I had the kind of a big head. And he said something about, you know, uh, basically creating some torque in your knee. And, you know, I went up to him and I said, well, hey, you know, I just actually came back from the Olympic Training Center. And they said that that's not good. You can't create torque in your knee because it's a hinge joint. And, dude, it's exactly how you said it. He's super abrasive. He was like, well, they're fucking wrong. Yeah. You know, straight up, the Olympic <laughs> Training Center is wrong. And if you want to be dumb, you can keep listening to them. If you want to be smart, you can listen to me. And I just kind of shut up, and I was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's, that's about how it goes down. So yeah. go check them out, mobilityy.com. Got a ton of great stuff. I post about it all the time on Seat Time. Um, but before we get too much into a little bit more about some of the how do we how do we work supplements into this as we've talked about having like a well-balanced diet, working in some training, uh, obviously I, – I, I personally did not want this to be um, a, a CrossFit commercial. I love it. Everybody knows that I love it. Um, it. So obviously, I think that it just kind of came about that way because of the fact that we're passionate about it. Um, yeah. And if you go try it, you get into it, I think you're going to feel the same way. So that's just my little speech on it. Go try it. Love it. It's what it is. Um, but of course, I have to thank another one of our sponsors for uh, for helping us uh, create this great show. So Squarespace. Any of you guys out there, we've talked about this a couple times, athletes as themselves as a any either you are a professional athlete or you are on the path to become a professional athlete have to realize that you want other people to look at you as a professional um, and one of those ways now because of the fact of the way that the internet in the past 20 years has become such a great place for people to put information about themselves out there you want the information out there to be about you to look professional your website is that one way that you can do it you can send it to all your sponsors all your maybe sponsors all your past sponsors when you'd be like Hey, what's up? I'm still awesome. You dropped me. This is the way to do it. So squarespace.com slash time is where you can go to check out what they have to offer. And of course, we have a fun little discount code, which I have not updated the lower third that you see on the screen right now. So up, uh, the discount code for May is time 5 because it's the fifth month in the year. So time 5 Save yourself 10% off of your purchase. Uh, if you purchase a month, you save 10%. If you purchase a year, you save 10% off of the year. So obviously the more you buy, the more you save in that sense. But I'm talking about what you buy. You don't have to buy anything because you can sign up for free for an account and you can try it out for two weeks. Boom. See what's happening. Now that's if you want to get one of their 
very high level accounts, you can still have an account that's like, you know, boom, just have a, a fun little Squarespace blog, a couple pictures, things like that. You can do that completely for free. But when you're a paid customer, you get so much more than you're going to get anywhere else. Their customer service is 24 hours. It's off the charts. Absolutely ridiculous. Your website's going to look fantastic on absolutely any device out there. You don't have to worry about, like, how am I going to code this? Do I need to get another developer? Absolutely not. Because what you make, what you see, looks great everywhere. So please go check them out. Squarespace.com slash seat time. Again, if you want to save 10%, seat time 5 is the discount code for the month of May. So um, I think I think supplements is a good way to kind of go into this because we could talk about supplements and CrossFit all the time, but we're not we're not a CrossFit show. We don't we, we don't need to do that, right? Um, I, I think I think the you said it really well, and I tried to say it really well, but you probably said it better in the fact that supplements are just that they supplement everything else. It's those little bits where. I couldn't eat enough chicken today, so I didn't get enough protein. Or we're talking about those those low glycemic index carbs, where uh, I couldn't get enough, you know, broccoli in today, so I need I need X. What are some of the the places that you you work with your athletes to make them realize when and where supplements are what they need and where they are not what they need? Yeah, the supplement to me is like an insurance policy. So you generally know, you know, let's just pick a diet. You're on this diet plan, so you can stick to it 80% of the time and 20% of the time because of travel or social obligations. You can't. Um, like a like know, a happy hour where they have free beer? Yeah, exactly. Dude, it's like, I ain't going <laughs> to lie, dude. It's super hard. It's like really hard, especially like paleo-type diets. It's like extremely difficult to get enough vegetables in, let's say. You know, like, or non-processed meats or organic this or that. It's like, actually, you have to work at it. Like, yeah, you know, it's very difficult for a normal person. And so supplements to me is like an insurance policy. So, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's timing. It, to me, it is like an insurance policy. So you always have it in place. So um, my guys take the same supplements, you know, every day, day in and day out. It's not like, oh, we got a hard workout tomorrow. So we change it. We just take the same things all the time. Um, you know, the minimum, uh, for my guys is, uh, fish or krill oil, uh, a, you know, more naturally based multivitamin. Um, and then once one week out of the month, they do probiotic. Um, the probiotic is interesting and it's not to replace or, you know, it's not like an insurance policy. A probiotic, um, is basically I give it to him because we wash all our food now. So uh, we're not getting those beneficial, uh, bacteria that live in the dirt, which live in your gut, which is kind of the basis of your immune system. So okay, so it's like if you were if you were out there digging up your own carrots, kind of a situation, you would get some of the nutrients that are in the dirt that the carrots yeah. been growing in. But now, because of the fact we don't really know what could be in the dirt, we want to wash yeah. it all off. Is that the same idea? Yeah, yeah. So the okay. best you could do is dunk it in the river, and you would eat it. So you would get the bacteria that's in the dirt. Um, so that's the only reason I do probiotics um, is for those bacteria. Um, so those are kind of, uh, I would say, those supplements are kind of to offset our modern food industry. You know, like uh, why why fish oil? Because it's uh, omega three. Why omega three? Why do I have to supplement that? Because there's not grass fed cows everywhere. You know, most of them are corn finished, so it changes their fat profile. Even the fish you get, you know, is the fish farm raised? Well, if it is, it's finished off with corn, which alters their fat profile. So. It's just to offset uh, high omega-6 fats in basically corn-finished animals that we use for food. 
Um, that's why we do the fish oil. And the multivitamin, you know, I don't have proof. Um, I have a strong uh, suspicion that the vegetables and fruits that we get in a regular through the regular food industry are probably much lower in nutrients than they were back in the day because the dirt's devoid of nutrients. You yep. know, and how you, it's I, like I, you're, I, yeah, I, how do you get your water, girl? You just dump nitrogen on it, you know? Yeah. So I, I imagine it could be the same for uh, produce, so I offset that with a vitamin. So um, like I was saying, it's just an insurance policy against, I guess, modernization for us, uh, me and my athletes. Um, if... I guess the only other thing I could say is uh, if I have a person who's susceptible to micro-damaging their muscles during a heavy lifting phase of the year, and those people, for whatever reason, are also the same people in my experience that aren't good at eating a lot of uh, naturally-based you know, animal protein or you know, just through food, then during that phase of training, I will supplement protein. Hmm. And I'll and I'll time it to uh, you know basically be taken in right after the workout. Um, so that's basically my supplement program. Um, probably not. You know, there's probably supplement companies that aren't real psyched about that, but that's that's what I do. I, I really that's, like the way you put it, though, that it's an insurance policy. Um, you know, people need to figure out uh, they they've got to get their diet figured out. They can't rely on that. As yeah. I've gotten older and I've continued to race and continued to work out, I've learned more and more about my body. And and uh, just Which like you nice were saying, I, I'd much rather put, uh, you know, and, and I'm a regular guy that has a job that I have to go to every day. And, and there's times of the year where I'm too busy to, and I get into social obligations like you talked about, and I don't get to eat and drink right, and I don't get to work out. And there's times when I say, okay, man, now I've, I've got a break and I want to clean up my act and want to get uh, get myself feeling good and back in shape. And the first thing I do is I go to the grocery store and get my diet back right again. Yeah. Um, because I know if I'm going to perform and I've got to make myself better and stronger, that uh, that I've got to put race fuel into my body. Yeah. And uh, that all starts with getting the right stuff. And, and uh, one of the biggest differences I've made in myself, and, and a lot of people might laugh when they hear this, is, is just simply, uh, you know, 10 years ago, I made the conscious decision to go to the store and, and go to the market and get food to eat there at the beginning of the week instead of picking up breakfast at a fast food place on the way to work instead of going to a restaurant at lunchtime instead of picking up food on the way home um me and my wife now we we go to the store we get prepared we get our breakfast and bring it with us and and eat our breakfast that that we've gotten at the store instead of going through the fast food chain and we bring our lunch to work uh you know my wife makes us lunch every day uh and we mix it up everything from fruits and vegetables to salads to to just plain regular old sandwiches and uh, but we mix it up and we keep it clean and stay away from the the french fries and the and the fast foods and and it makes an unbelievable difference in the amount of energy that i have in the afternoon and uh if i eat healthy all day long i'm a lot more likely to work out when i get home than if i ate crappy during the day if i ate crappy during the day I barely make it through the work day. I'm worthless the last couple of hours. And then when I get home, the last thing I want to do is, is uh, you know, do something to make myself stronger. I want to go sit on my butt and do nothing. Whereas if I ate race fuel, like you said, 
um, I feel good through the entire day. I get home, I'm motivated. I can actually uh, get something done to, to, to work on my cardio or work on my strength. I, I mix it up. I do strength uh, some days so that uh, I can feel confident when I ride that if I make a mistake, I'm not going to get hurt. And then other days I work on cardio so that, uh, you know, so that I can actually ride hard through the race. Yeah. yeah one thing that I say a lot is uh, food is therapy. Like, you know what I mean? Like people come up to me and say, oh, you know, Absolutely. I, don't have, yeah, I don't have any energy. I feel like crap after work and I'll just say it. I say, well, food, food is therapy. Food is medicine. So start, start there. Um, and I, I mean, I might not be real nice about it, but when I have young light, especially lights riders, they'll come up to me and say, Hey man, I need a list of supplements, you know, and I see Taco Bell bags in their car, you know, I don't tell them anything. Like I don't give them a supplement suggestion because it's just the the focus is wrong there. You know, it's not going to fix you going to Taco Bell every day. So um, I'm I'm pretty almost say I'm not nice about those when I do tell people that. You know, um, another thing that you know is kind of a common question I get, and my answer is, and again, you know, it might be offensive to some people, but you know, it's just my personal observation that the number one consumer of diet drinks is fat people. You know? You are correct. That's I, what I see. I mean, I, yeah. would totally, I mean, I drink Diet Coke, but that was literally like just a complete taste preference. But I only tr- I try to have one or two a day. I mean, that is literally my hardest vice, though. I've tried to give that shit up so many times. But you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah. I, I, and I, 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 I noticed that I think just because I drink Diet Cokes a day, really? Yeah. Why? Do you think yeah, I like drink who? more? Do I look fat? Oh, my no, God. Who? Am I getting fat? <laughs> Like who buys the who buys the low fat soups and who buys the low fat processed foods? It's the people that think they need to lose weight. It's it, it's the people that don't do or, or anything, anything to burn those calories off. Anything. It's not it's not you know Andrew Short isn't buying anything low fat. You know, Jason Anderson isn't buying anything low fat. Those Jimmy Albertson they're buying fully fat loaded food well shit yeah, people Jimmy are people buying pbr for his buddy fucking yeah, ronnie back yeah. you know what i'm saying well they're yeah. they're they're trying to make up for the fact that they're inactive that's yeah. and that may be offensive to people but that's the reality is they're trying yeah. to make up the fact uh, make up for the the inactivity that they have yeah i think it's yeah it's it good on what you said job. about the fat burning you know put the fat in but you got to train your body to burn the fat and by training your body it's to a, burn your fat you have to train the body Dude, it's a huge jump. Like, it's a huge, you know, leap of faith or whatever you want to call it. To most people as a trainer, for me to tell them that they need to eat more fat, it just sounds almost stupid, you know? Like, it just doesn't sound right. But, you know, I, ca- I could give them studies. I could give them papers. I could give them books. But, you know, my most most people I, that have known me for a while know me now as, wow, how'd you get so skinny? And I just... Yeah, I ate bacon. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. You know, that's what I did. I ate fat. Dude, if I got a piece of steak, I would eat all the fat. Like, I tracked my diet super closely, and I was 65% average, 65% of my calories from fat for the first four months. But you cut you cut down on the sugars dramatically, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't eat any sugar, like zero. Like, I was super hardcore for four months, didn't eat any processed sugar, was just, like, on it, like, hundred percent committed to eating like that it was it was difficult i'm not gonna lie dude it took a lot of time a lot of effort on my part but you know i lost 22 pounds and you know i would say most of the people that looked at me said well i didn't know you had 22 pounds to lose you know and uh dude i felt awesome you know i was in my 40s and 
still riding bicycles with people like you know Andrew Short, little you know basically professional athletes half my age is who I ride bicycles and lift weights. <laughs> you know, so I can't I can't be dumb anymore. I got to be smart about it to extend my career. And you know, I was just as shocked as anybody. Like I said, I was classically trained. You know, I was told not to eat fat. I just got sick of reading studies and uh, just went the opposite direction to get you know it's like adjusting suspension. You don't know what's up. You just turn the compression screw all the way in just to feel it. Yeah. So that's what I did, you know, and it just haphazardly, I was losing weight like crazy. And dude, especially running, I've never felt good running, but I felt good running, you know. So that's how it started. I, I got to admit, dude, it's a huge leap of faith to most people. Yeah, I think most people nowadays are, have been learning that, that sugars are, are the enemy and processed sugars especially. I think yeah. there's enough of that in the news and it's been coming out over the years that uh, I think I don't think there's too many people that are going to argue that fact anymore. I, I think so. I think it's too hard to make that loop leap of faith though, you know. And I think in, in uh you know with what you're saying you as a trainer, I think it's yeah. almost it's uh, I think it's easier because of the fact that you're like I you know you know how to mentally make a you know how to mentally make a change and you know how to mentally turn switches off where I, you know where highly trained athletes know how to do that very well. Um, they didn't know how to block certain things where, you know, we as, uh, as people who maybe not be professional athletes and know how to turn off certain mental blocks and, and turn on certain mental uh, blocks, it's harder um, than it would be for professional athletes to kind of say, all right, I'm going to just completely change it up because, you know, we have a little bit more, I think, and it's, it's not a knock on anybody. We're all there. We have a little bit more of a doldrum. You know, our life, yeah. our life just kind of goes sometimes. And that's all of a sudden, you know. Um, it, it may feel that same way for professional athletes. I do not know. Obviously, I am not one. Um, but I think, you know, and I hate I, I hate to just keep on, uh, you know, kicking that nail with my hammer, but CrossFit did it for me where it just, like, it, it turned me upside down a little bit and made me realize that there was just a lot that I was ignoring in my life and how much how physical I wasn't, even though I was very physical. Um, yeah. And so I think that a lot of people need to kind of make those big changes like you're talking about. I think um, – it it just it it's not just a physical change. You notice such a large mental change when you c- can decide to make this this physical change and then mentally stick to it. You just you come out so much stronger. Um, Dude, it, I just want to so. add something. Um, yeah, I would say that for uh, you know a recreationally serious rider who gets on one of my online training programs, their number one excuse for you know everything from not doing the training to not eating healthy is basically time. They, they don't have enough time. It's, it's 99% of the time, that's the excuse for anything. Why did you eat crappy? I didn't have enough time to eat well. Why did you eat that? I didn't have time to go to the grocery store and cook it. Why didn't you do your training? I didn't have enough time. You know, why didn't you do mobility? I didn't have enough time. But if you really get down to it and, you know, and if they will allow you and you talk to them, you're like, okay, well, describe your day to me. Um, this has just happened recently. I actually told Racer X this, and they thought it was funny. The guy was like, dude, my lawn's like, I got to mow my lawn, dude. It's Friday. And I had to mow my lawn before it got dark because then I wouldn't be able to mow my lawn. That's why I ate fast food on the way to mow my lawn, to go home to mow my lawn. That's why I didn't stop by the grocery store. Now I'm hosed because I can't eat well Saturday morning before my race, you know, basically because he had to mow his lawn before it got dark. And I just kind of cut him off, and I said, hey, man, do you know what a headlamp is? And he was like, no. I said, well, it's like, you know, I like to climb, so you get this light, and it goes on your forehead, and you can use your hand, <laughs> and you can see. He's like, what's your point? I was like, dude, 
I'm going to bring you a headlamp so you can mow your lawn after it gets dark. And, dude, he just was, like, befuddled. He was like, <laughs> it just, like, stopped him in his tracks. And he didn't have that excuse anymore. He's it like, he's a, like, but, but, but that was my excuse. Yeah, you, you're, like, but that yeah, worked so well in it. my head. <laughs> but like, if you interview people and I have to do it quite a bit and you're just like, Hey, what did you do today? There's all these things that for whatever reason seem super important to do at a certain time. You know what I mean? And if you're going to claim to me and you know, you guys are probably hear this a lot. If you're going to pay the money and claim to me that your racing performance is important and is a, high priority in your life well then act like it you know like I, I, example you, so you, we you need to do their... something uh, other than on race day and, and i try to well, tell people that my customers that all the time if you want to perform well on sunday then you need to do something the other six days of the week yeah. other well, than just like, sunday you know, if racing is so important to you and you're going to get that upset that you don't perform well we'll put that in its appropriate place on your priority list. Where is mowing the lawn on your priority list? Like, why is it superseding you going to the grocery store? Like, tell me, you know? And so you have those kinds of conversations. Like, uh, people always ask, why do you take the first flight out to the race? You know, why do you get to the Supercross uh, city so early on a Friday morning? Well, here's why. Because we go to Whole Foods. We have to find a Whole Foods or a Trader Joe's or a, a, a store that has wholesome food and we go out of our way to get it why because it's that important you know and it's just like if you apply that to people it's amazing that they'll place things that aren't that important above what they claim is important you know if it's not that important hey all the power to you you know if racing is 10th on your list and it's 10th on the list of the things you got to do that's cool but don't cheat yourself you know don't say it's you know, second to your wife, kids, and it's third, you know, wife, kids, then racing, but then mow your lawn first. Like, that's not right, you know? Yeah. Well, my, my wife and I look at, at being healthy and eating right at as a lot more than just how I perform on Sunday at the races. It's how she hey, performs Saturday night, too. Well, yeah, that Hello. as well. But but we look at it as, as we want to be, you know, healthy for a long time, and we want to enjoy yeah. life for a long time. And That's I feel another... like how we treat our bodies now is going to reflect on us um, a long way down the road, and, and we're preparing for that. We want to be healthy and live long, active lives, and, and I feel like all this is part of that now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like uh, a lot of my younger guys in their you know nineteen twenty, you know, I tell them quite often in the first couple of years of a relationship that I will fail them as a trainer if they're still not doing something active when they're forty five. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, because more... I, I told uh, I told one of our Supercross guys this year. I said, you know, when when you're my age, I said uh, you're still want, gonna want to do active things. I said you may yeah. not think about that now because I didn't think about it when I was in my teens and early twenties. I didn't. I was thrashing my body and I didn't care. And now yeah. I'm paying the price for it. And and I try to tell them don't don't be like me. Think about this stuff now, and you will be so much better off when you get to be my age than I am. Yeah. I think, yeah, I just, I just got, I'm five weeks out today from a shoulder surgery. And the reason I had that shoulder surgery was from an accident that and I didn't slipped think, off. Hey, it happens. <laughs> it, uh, it was from an accident that I just didn't think was that bad. 
Um, and I, so I didn't go to the doctor. And three years later, I found out I've been walking around with a broken collarbone and a separated shoulder. So wow. it's like, you know, and one of the one of the biggest things that actually got me into the doctor again was Kelly Starrett because of one of his damn slogans. That's if it feels sketchy, it's sketchy. It is sketchy, yeah. And it's just like, what a fucking thought. Like, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's the simplest thing out there. But sometimes we just, we either, we just, I think, overthink things too much. And I'm just like, oh, you know, it's like, uh, no, it's like, I just had a motorcycle wreck. It's not that big a deal. But it's like, yeah. you know, as, as you're saying, kind of, Brian, to like the fact that maybe I'm 30 now. I mean, I'm 33. I'm in my 30s. And I'm kind of going, well, 40s there. It's coming, you know, at some point. But it's like, if I don't start really taking taking care of some of these aches and pains now, then they're going to be debilitating by that point. But, you know, yeah. as well, we're saying CrossFit, mobility wide. I just, I'm just going to keep working that because it works. Work it. It's like AA, but not yeah. for alcoholics. Yeah, yeah, but different. Yeah, it's like AA, but different. <laughs> yeah. It's like turning a wrench when you don't have a wrench. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I wanted to uh, say again quickly a uh, thank to one of our sponsors. Uh, obviously, uh, PowerSport Graphics. They are fantastic, fantastic graphics company uh, from the East Coast. So RidePG.com is where you can find them on the internet. You can also tweet them if you'd like to. It's at RidePG. Um, they supplied and helped us. Well, they 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 helped us design and gave us a discount on i should not say supplied because they did not give it to us for free which is fine i love paying for stuff that's the way it works that's how people make money i think people lose that in this industry sometimes um but they helped out they helped us out a lot with when we did the 300 uh photo shoot last year got the bike from you guys over at sms uh with a very fun discount because of the fact that we're awesome racers we have a great fantastic relationship and then rypg came in we uh really worked together uh, to create some awesome graphics and to create an awesome photo shoot. Uh, I think that those kind of relationships, as we've been talking about with a lot of our sponsors, what really matters. And I think people lose that. They're kind of looking for who can give, us the, give them the best deal. And though sometimes saving money really does mean a lot, I think there's something to be said about when you can email certain people or you could just call up you know, your, your best friend or your, your, good, your good weekend buddy who happens to work at one of the better graphics company in the business. Uh, there's something to be said about that. And I like that those are the people that I you know, am in business with. So I definitely say thank you very much, uh, PowerSport Graphics, for your support of Seat Time. I think you guys should go check them out. So it's uh, ridepg.com. Remember, if you go there, you can save 10% by using the discount code Seat Time off of anything that you order. You can save 40% if you use the ready-to-ship option, and you can have it shipped to you same day if you order it before 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, all of those are pretty pretty badass key points. I think everybody should listen to them again. I'm not going to say them again. They have a rewind button for that. All right. So we've talked about a lot of stuff. Um, there's been some perspectives that have probably gone off into a little bit of what some people might feel like as a commercial. Um, and I can call it out for myself on the CrossFit aspect of things. I think the diet thing is something that people just – it is very, very hard. Um, and until until uh, I know with like with CrossFit, until I got it, I didn't get it. Um, that's you know, however that is. The, the diet thing's not as hard as people think, though. Yeah. Once you um, once you just make a commitment, you you find you know an hour once a week to to make it to the store and and plan ahead. Um, it, it honestly makes your your week less expensive on what you're spending yeah. on sp- on food. You can and, actually plan better and, that way too because it, you kind of it really yeah it makes it makes it easier. 
And, and I'm not saying that I'm I'm a, a you know a nutrition saint. I mean, I I go through months where I'm horrible, and my fitness sadly goes up and down. But um, right now, and it, I just finished Supercross, and and that was a big weight off my shoulders. And I'm not not going to be traveling as much now. So so now I'm I'm putting my head down and and uh, getting everything straightened out again. I'm, I'm a normal guy, uh, and I run a business, and and. Uh, yeah, sort of, kind of, but but I, I run a business and and I I'm a regular guy and and if you just find a little time and, and get after it, you'll find that after the first week, the diet's not that hard. It, it's really hard to get started, yeah. but once you get going, it's not as bad. Consistency is key. Um, so I think one of the big things, obviously, a lot of our listeners are off road racers. Uh, coach, how do you how do we as off road racers and riders and and, and such take some of kind of the motocross mentality and some of the motocross training and things that we can find, I think, readily available on the internet to a degree um, and really kind of maybe change little things that would apply differently to us as off-road racers. Um, you know, I'm not, I did train some people. I'm not familiar with, you know, historically how GNCC guys uh, say uh, schedule their ride day. Um, some general, things about riding is it's a, a very high skill level component you know there's a very high level of skill involved so it's not just a fitness thing it's a skill thing almost it might be more skill you know so um the point i'm getting at is um you know there's a point in the season you know off season really where the focus should be basically the muscular endurance required to ride the amount of time that you have to ride so However long the race is, you you know first off need to be able to ride that long, um, and the speed that you do those uh, efforts needs to be the fastest possible speed where you can maintain and make it to the end. But after after that, you know after you get kind of that base level of riding fitness down, um, I've heard and you know and I don't personally know anybody that does this, but I've heard and I've read it on the internet and I've seen it in print and you know. I'm sure there's people who prescribed it, but there are people who ride um, based on an intensity level of, say, heart rate. You know, so they'll actually ride their motorcycle uh, based on heart rate, or maybe they ride their motorcycle uh, based on some kind of feel. I feel like I'm going eight out of ten. Um, that to me is like practicing a bad golf swing um, because it has a very high uh, nervous system brain coordination all these things it's it's skill you have to ride at your best speed um so that's a big thing that i run into with amateurs is they've been taught somehow i don't know how but you know i'll see them at the track and they're basically you know the the kind of dumb logic way of saying it is hey if you're riding slower what are you doing you're getting better at riding slower you know no, what i mean it's no, like the that's, dumb logic yeah, yeah that's ridiculous yeah, it's it's. You know, I've seen it a lot. Like it, it's surprising. I don't know where people get that. Like, oh, you know, well, I was told to ride at seventy percent of my ability uh, for twenty minutes. Okay, well, congratulations. You just got really good at riding at seventy percent. You know, um, that's like I said. Okay, let's practice a not good golf swing or a not perfect golf swing. Um, so you know, the more times you replicate um, the skill in the way that you want to perform it, the more it's going to become ingrained uh, as a motor engram or a motor pattern, and then you won't have to think about it. It'll just be automatic. That's why you do drills. 
you know, that's why you go to the driving range. Uh, that's why you need to ride your motorcycle at the speed, your best ability, as much as you can. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard that. It's just I, I see it a lot uh, with younger people. You know, for whatever reason, they're at the track motoring around at 70%. You know, it's like, dude, no, you know. If you can only ride. WFO, yeah. bitch. Uh, I know yeah. that. I know just from from the same thing. I, I I've done a lot over the years, just like you have, of experimenting with myself. And even when I'm preparing for two hour long races, I find the best way for me to prepare is to actually run uh, sprint motos on the yeah. days that I ride. I run yeah. sprint motos. I try to run at the best of my ability. And, uh, I find that that, you know, reflects better on my riding come the weekend in the two hour race than, than going out and doing any hmm. kind of, of, you know, lower paced, lower intensity riding that yeah. I, I actually, feel... I do know where it comes from. It comes from people reading, uh, about training on say cycling, which is a low, low skill level. It's just a repeated gross movement, you know, and those people, yes, you do train by heart rate. It's a totally different thing. There's no skill involved. You know, the, the people who win bike races is purely on fitness, you know. And the so people very, who win motorcycle races, it's fitness and high skill level. Yeah. So it's a very different animal. Like, motocross is a skill sport, and you need to practice your skill, you know. And and to me, uh, you know, and I would say it's probably more applicable the higher up you go in ability level. Um, the skill to me at the higher ability it all supersedes fitness you know like if you're rolling out of the off season and your fitness is not where you planned it to me to be at some point you make a decision that okay well this is what i got you know so i'm going to roll into the season with this fitness level because the skill is going to take over now like i have to work on my skill um, and i think that's a super important thing that if, if you're competitive at all you know you you can't – I know people talk about training all the time, and I feel bad for the, the riding instructors, actually, because the media, the interviews, of, you know, Alden Baker, blah, 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 trainer to the stars. You never hear about the guy who's teaching the skill, you know, if there is a guy even. Like, think about it. How many amateur motocross riders have a trainer versus how many amateur motocross riders have a skill coach? The answer would be about zero. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I just I I also draw a parallel to mental training. How much again, cycling. Very different animal. You know, basically it's your fitness level and how much you're willing to suffer. Very simple. Very simple. What's the mental part of that? Mental toughness. That's it. Motocross is very different. High skill. It's scary. People get hurt, you know, kids see other kids get paralyzed. You know, it's like a serious thing. Um so there's a very high mental component as well. Same question. How many of these B-class riders have some kind of trainer? Lots of them. How many B-class riders have a skill coach? Zero. How many B-class riders have a mental coach? Freaking zero. You know? So uh, those, I think, are very overlooked, even in recreationally competitive athletes. You know, how much is your brain game a part of your outcome? You know, what percentage? Give it a percentage. Is uh, 10% of your... Uh, result at the weekend race due to your mental state okay well did you put 10 percent of your energy that training week into your mental state the answer is going to be no you know so yeah. those are those are kind of things that people overlook i think if they don't have the luxury of having a you know a trainer standing by them all the time you know 
Absolutely. So we all need to start our own company so that we can essentially just work three days a week and train the rest of the time, and we'll just uh, swap it out. I think that's going to have to happen. <laughs> yeah. But, dude, like, think about the starting line. Like, uh, you know, you guys do these woods races, and what's your mental state at the starting line? You know, like, if you could I'm attempting to not shit my pants. Yeah, so people are scared. <laughs> like, dude, up. I guarantee you there's a high percentage of people you know i guess i can't guarantee it but i guarantee you there are some people who are not wanting to be there you know what i mean like they got talked into it or you know they got a million excuses it's too hot my bike sucks whatever you know it's like the totally wrong i mean why would you expect a good result you know yeah i just so, i think like for myself like personally like i've kind of left like trying to win behind i'm, I'm an a rider i'm always yeah I hope to always be an A-rider. It's been a, a hell of a fun run. I'm never going to yeah. be faster. Uh, and when I get there, great. But, like, I always now, when I'm at the line, I'm like, all right, I've gotten here for a reason. Let's go have fun. Because um, right. that's that's where I'm at, you know. It's like I've realized now that um, I, I have I have the mental aptitude that I, the things I do in life now are going to make sure that I continue to enjoy life the rest of my life. Um, that's why I had my surgery. That's why I train the way I do. That's why I eat the way I do. And I have fun the way that I do. Um, so, you know, I, I and I think that I think I'm completely 110 percent content with where I'm at with that, and I think some people aren't. You're you're yeah. still a competitor, though. I still see that that you care about yeah how you do in the races, yeah. and yeah. I still I, I, see that. I get pissed you. when I don't. Yeah, I know. I, it it's hard to not though. But like at the end of the day, as long as I like performing well versus enjoying your ride is is kind of where i draw the line and it's one of those days where i have a shitty day and i didn't have any fun and i performed like shit then it's just like ah but when i come off the day and i'm like you know what all right yeah sure i got six there was 12 people i got mid-pack in the double a class or a class or whatever series i'm in but then i go you know what oh my gosh i remember when i screamed going down that downhill because it was such a badass that you like those are the things that make me still want to get out there and get on the line and kind of twist the throttle a little a little more than I probably am comfortable I, with. I would say fun, that so. that when you have fun at the races is a lot like when I have fun at the races. I find that when I'm in better physical condition and I'm better prepared for the race, um, regardless of, of what place I finish in, if I've been able to ride hard and uh, put it away know, wet to, to the well uh, to a, a good point of your ability um, you're gonna go away feel it really good and and uh, and feeling like that was a great race yes remember we're athletes doesn't make a difference if you race your c-class hero as Jamie Aikens likes to put it uh, this is a very physical demanding sport um, there has been I can't even I, I personally can't tell you the amount of knowledge that we've talked about tonight I will have to listen to this again uh, there is so much good stuff in here Listen to it over and over and over again. Uh, I'm going to let Coach tell you guys about all the places that you can get in touch with him for all of his programs, as well I'm going to let Brian talk to you guys about all the places that you can get in touch with him. And I'll talk to all the places you can get in touch with us. Uh, please, listen to this as much as you want. Um, take it for what it's worth. There's a lot of fantastic content in there. And get in touch with these guys. So, Coach, people can find you on the Internet. They can find you all kinds of other crazy places in Texas uh, at the races uh, tell us how they can find you on the internet and where they can do that so that they can, uh, you know, hit you up with questions, maybe even a couple contracts to be athletes of yours. Sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> my, web, my website is uh, Coach Sagey. It's C O A C H S E I J I dot com. All right. 
Um, my Twitter is the same thing, Coach Sagey. I get a lot of uh, questions on there, one word. Uh, Facebook is actually my name. It's S-E-I-J-I is my first name. Uh, Ishii is my last name. It's I-S-H-I-I. Um, I am located in Texas um, from February until October. Um, I'm about an hour southeast of Austin. I do go to Austin for training. Um, I have that CrossFit box in Bastrop. Um, you know, we use my tracks here at my place. We use tracks at Shorty's place. We use local tracks. Um, I do go to almost every race. Uh, I went to every Supercross race. You can find me uh, most of the time with Andrew Short in the BTO Sports Pits. Um, I am going to Hangtown, and I'm expecting my first child on June 4th. So, um, wow. yeah, I'm going to have to take a couple weeks off for that. Um, but then after that, I should be back at the races. So uh, feel free to stop by. You know, Andrew is also very open to answering training questions himself. Uh, he does it quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to talk to anybody about training. And, um, you know, even if you disagree with me, uh, you've got some intelligent things to say. I'm more than happy to listen. So I love that. Uh, yeah. He wants intelligent things, people. Yeah. Don't, don't it's not rhetoric we don't want to hear rhetoric we want to hear intelligent conversation and thoughts so that means i probably won't hit him up with much so uh, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're out well i can tell you right now i have a nine-month-old and a seven-year-old um it's a good thing that you're as healthy as you are because holy shit it's crazy uh yeah. it's, it's absolutely it's nuts a, i'm not okay I don't know how to say it. You guys don't know me, but I'm not a, a scared guy. You know, I like to go climbing. I like to ride dirt bikes. Like, like things don't. I'm not afraid of say personal injury. Like it's an afterthought. <laughs> you know, it's always oh shit, I got hurt. Damn it, I was that was dumb. You know, um, you're someone who likes to live life. Yeah, but dude, this kid thing, man, it just like got me gripped, and I don't know what's wrong. It's like I'm struggling with uh you know, I don't think I'm going to be a bad dad. It's just like, okay, like I was climbing last weekend, you know, and you're scrambling around and every once in a while you fall. And I was like, well, wow, okay, if I had a kid strapped on my back, I'd have just crushed his skull. Like, it's like that, you know, I'm yep. like, okay, how am I going to do this? You know, okay, so I'm at the track. Like, I guess these are dumb questions. It's just because I'm inexperienced. I just haven't thought about it. You know, I got a couple weeks to go, but it's like, huh, well, how am I going to moto at the track? You just can't. You know, like my dog, I just tie him up in the back of my truck. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that with your kid. Well, yeah, so long. those things that like, you know, they give me every once in a while. Like, well, well I, I think we can work out an agreement where you can be my, like, you know, nutritionist and I can be your, like, life coach. No. I think well, a it, lot of people will tell you that I'm experienced and that I have a lot, of, a lot to give. It, it only gets worse with the kid thing. It's almost like they have a mind of their own. Oh, wait. Damn it! That's what I always like. That's what I always liked about dirt bikes more than riding horses. The dirt bike doesn't decide that it wants to stop at any point in time. Where the horse, it's like fuck you, I'm done. Yeah. So, but uh, all right, Brian, obviously very experienced young man, in uh, in the state of Texas and all over the place with everything that he's been doing. So where can we find you on the internet or if you're in Denton, Texas? SMSRacing.net. Woo! Uh, or just come by the store uh, in Denton. So we're on Highway 377, just uh, just, just west of I-35. Yeah. But of uh, but yeah, check out the website. Come visit us, and and uh, you know, send me an email. The the orange bleeder at smsracing.biz. That's uh, that's the email that goes directly to me. And uh, I I work with people uh, every week. On uh, we do I do lessons out at our private track. Uh, I do a lot of a lot of bike training. We do a lot of suspension testing and motor testing and. 
Um, I'm one of the few teams out there in Supercross, so, uh, it, even that uh, we're building motor suspension, the whole bike ourselves. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you live in Texas, there's no reason to go to, to someone outside the state. Uh, we can build it, uh, you know, we it. can build top 10 supercross stuff right here, right here at home. And, and, uh, you know, if you got something we need to sort out, we can go out to our private track and sort it out. I like it. So there it is. SMSracing.net. Bring all your cool shit there. They want to work on it and make you even more cool. That's like a new slogan. More cool. More cool. More cool. Let's uh, just like, keep it simple. It? Just we'll just be MC. Well, it's, uh, it just stands for more cool Like, what is it? Because uh, so we we suck better, so you suck less, and we blow better, so you suck less. That's, it's all about air intake. Yeah, they're they're putting it together. That's yeah. that's good stuff there. I don't know. That's just what how I would, they pay their marketing no, team for that. No, they didn't. That's just <laughs> I, I was emailing them back and forth, and I was like, oh, you guys should use this, and they sent me a bunch of slogans. They were like, these would be awesome to use, but we decided that they're stupid and we can't and. So I might have just given away their entire damn political plan for correctness. That's okay. Well, so what you've been uh, watching, paying attention to, maybe be maybe cursing. I don't know. It's seat time. Uh, like we said, we're a weekly show. We come up uh, every Tuesday night, APMs when we go live. You can check us out at seattime.co if you're on our website. Of course, if you're on Facebook, we're on facebook.com/seattime. And if on Twitter, if you'd like to tweet us real hard, there it is. Face uh, twitter.com/seattime underscore co. We like to change it up a little bit. And then of course Instagram, it's just seattime. Uh, and any other social media out there, you just find us just seattime. Stitcher, you can search for seattime. Of course, iTunes, you can search for Seat Time. Listen to us while you're on the races. Like we said, man, we'd love all your comments. Uh, anything you guys think about the show, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, maybe what color Brian's hair should be next time. Interesting. So, Coach, we really, really appreciate your time. Uh, we obviously took up way more time than we thought we would. But uh, when you when you kind of have that much good stuff to say, we just can't cut you off. We just keep no, rolling. I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, it was a good time. and uh, Hit me up anytime. I love it. Well... Don't tell us that because we will show up at your doorstep. <laughs> All right. <sounds> <laughs> All right. Remember, guys, this is seat time. If nothing else, always enjoy a pint full of awesome. I'll see you next Tuesday.